T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The top stories from the KCBS Radio Newsroom. This is the All Local. Good morning, I'm Margie Schaefer. I'm Eric Thomas. And here's what's happening. A deadly street drug has city health officials warning drug dealer, drug users rather, about xylazine, also known as Trank. Four overdose victims from last year had traces of this narcotic in their system. KCBS's Alice Wirtz reports. For drug dealers, it's used as a cutting agent for other drugs such as heroin and fentanyl. Dr. Chelsea Shelver, epidemiologist from UCLA, says it's a very concerning narcotic with origins on the East Coast. Puerto Rico and then in Philadelphia and then has spread around the East Coast and other parts of the country. San Francisco's medical examiner reportedly will be retesting overdose deaths from 2022, and the department will be testing for it in cases moving forward. Dr. Shelver says, aside from Trank being deadly, it can leave users vulnerable. Because it's a sedative, it basically knocks you out for a long time. Trank has ugly side effects for users. Its use leaves skin lesions and open wounds. If people have these wounds and abscesses that just won't get better, that are tough to heal. Another drug the feds are warning about, ISO, a synthetic opioid that when mixed with other drugs makes them more potent and cheaper to produce. Alice Wirtz, KCBS. It will likely be months before we know who Oakland's next police chief will be. But as KCBS's Mike DeWald reports, the exhaustive search begins now for the city and its mayor, Sheng Tao. And so it begins again. Oakland Mayor Sheng Tao promising a thorough nationwide search for candidates. It's the latest chapter in the saga of the revolving door at the top of OPD. Some say contributing to the turnover is constant infighting at the council level and within the police commission. Former Oakland Police Chief Ann Kirkpatrick says that even applies to Mayor Sheng Tao's firing of former Chief Theron Armstrong. There are people who have very strong feelings that she made the wrong decision, and there are others who have very strong feelings that she made the right decision. She's got a divided house. Dan Siegel is an Oakland civil rights attorney. He says it's time for the city to look outside to break the cycle of lax oversight at the top. It's hard to hold people accountable when you work with them for years, and your own success as a chief requires that... uh, people respect your leadership and do what you want them to do. But others say the city won't do better than what they had with Armstrong's leadership. This is former Councilman Lauren Taylor. Someone who has worked their way up through the ranks of policing, understanding the good, the bad, and the ugly of the institution with a commitment to solving that. Assistant Chief Darren Allison is serving as acting chief until a replacement is found. Mike DeWald, KCBS. The man arrested in connection with last week's house explosion in San Francisco's Outer Sunset is due back in court at this hour. Darren Price is facing involuntary manslaughter and child endangerment charges. 
Investigators found suspected butane tanks and other materials at the scene, including a jar of suspected hash oil that tests show contained highly flammable solvents. The woman who was killed has been identified as Rita Price. Neighbors say she was the suspect's disabled wife. They also say the couple lived at the house with their two children. A caregiver who worked for the couple remains hospitalized for injuries sustained in the blast. KCBS reporter Raquel Maria Dillon is covering this morning's court appearance. The suspect in the Half Moon Bay mass shooting has pleaded not guilty. 66-year-old Chun-Li Zhao, accused of fatally shooting seven people at two mushroom farms, entered the plea yesterday afternoon. He could face the death penalty if found guilty, although prosecutors have not said whether they will seek it. Zhao is being held without bail in San Mateo County Jail, admitted to the shootings during a jailhouse media interview days after the shooting. We already know that long COVID can be debilitating. Now it looks like it can have a real impact on a survivor's ability to work. KCBS's Kathy Whitman with that story. A new study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association shows people with symptoms of long COVID are more likely to be unemployed. UCSF infectious disease specialist Dr. Peter Chin Hong says long COVID causes more than 200 symptoms and holding down a job can be difficult. It affects cognitive functions that allow people to concentrate and to be productive members at work. That, in addition to the exhaustion that comes with the lingering physical effects of the disease, makes it hard for many to work. UCSF's Dr. Monica Gandhi says long COVID is most associated with people who were severely affected by COVID in the first place. Vaccines have helped prevent this. We're sitting at about a prevalence of 2% with long COVID after severe symptoms. But employers can help those trying to keep their jobs while continuing to feel the effects of long COVID by allowing people recovery time if they have post-acute symptoms. Meanwhile, Dr. Chin Hong says the problem with long COVID is there isn't a good support system in place for workers. We don't even have a great definition or a good test to really show that somebody might have long COVID or not. But there are encouraging drug studies that will help with symptoms. Kathy Whitman, KCBS. We are talking about artificial intelligence. The rise of chatbots driven by AI is opening doors to endless creative content, but not everything seems to go as planned. Microsoft's newly revamped Bing search engine is a powerful tool that can quickly explain just about anything on the Internet, although that explanation isn't always correct, we've found. And some users are reporting unusual and sometimes hostile encounters. To answer your questions about this, we're joined live on the KCBS Ring Central Newsline by Ben Baharan, CEO and Principal Analyst at the tech consulting firm Creative Strategies. If you have a question you would like answered, please email us, as always, at askus at kcbsradio.com. Ben, thanks for joining us to discuss this, because I think there's still uh, misunderstandings out there about AI and what it's uh, designed to do. So in this case, why don't you explain what's going on? Sure. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. And, uh, you know, it, it's an interesting time, obviously, to, uh, to, to be in the tech industry and sort of see what, what we're seeing and observing around uh, what we're calling AI, although I think we could, we could debate whether or not it's really intelligent or, or AI to begin with. Um, but obviously, you know, this sort of started with ChatGPT. I think everybody's heard that, which is a chatbot uh, released by OpenAI, um, Microsoft has a, a, a pretty strong financial relationship with OpenAI, and uh, some reports have um, ChatGPT getting to something north of 100 million users within a couple of months, which is a pretty staggering number, even though it's probably not quite that high. 
Um, but a lot of people started trying this for, um, you know, general search, trying to write documents. You're hearing about how this is being used by college students to help do essays, uh, people to help to, to, to do portions of their writing, marketing material, lots of stuff's being tried. It's extremely early, but I think that's what made uh, this opportunity for Microsoft to capitalize on what they were doing, their relationship with OpenAI, and bring, call it a more intelligent chatbot than things we've seen. I mean, anybody who's followed this industry for a while saw several years ago there was a chatbot craze. Um, they were pretty pretty terrible, and nobody had really good experiences with those. Some of them showed very similar things like we're seeing right now at this early implementation with, with being chat around trying to have some personality. Um, but I think the, the broad point here is it, it's being implemented in a way by Microsoft to try to bring value to search. And that's not necessarily what ChatGPT was excelling at or what people were uh, using ChatGPT for, but there was a component of search, but it wasn't necessarily able to search the, the web in real time. And, and that's one of the things that Microsoft brought with this, uh, with their open AI and the, the, the integration with Bing, is that you can now use this Bing chatbot and it'll actually get real-time information from the web, which, which is kind of new. But, but obviously, with what you're seeing in, in some of the reports, Microsoft and, and, and the overall Bing experience is trying to add some personality, I guess very similar to the ways you would see Amazon's Alexa and or you know, Apple's Siri try to have some personality, um, thinking that humans will interact with these things a bit more naturally if it has some personality. But as you see, some of the reports have been able to hack that and bring about some experiences where, you know, maybe it goes off the edge, maybe it starts saying things you're uncomfortable with. And, and that's kind of the, the moment we're in right now is trying to figure out what the best solution is for these types of chatbots and how people can use them in a way that they feel trusted, is safe, and, 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 and essentially not terribly weird but also not robotic. So it's, it's very, very early stages is kind of the main point that I'm making. But all these things are basically being refined and fleshed out in public in real time. Yeah, I mean, I think so many words come to mind, exciting, amusing, scary. <laughs> um, yeah. And But when we were talking about how the uh, AI started interacting with the one, uh, I guess it was a reporter, I guess these are in testing right now. Um, it seems like there needs to be some guardrails. I mean, you don't want to be you know, compared to Pol Pot or, or Hitler. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, that's, again, this, this is really the, the sort of debate, right? There's actually a handful of companies that do sort of this, this AI or generative AI type of, type of search. Um, you know, Neva is another one that I've been looking at, Neva AI, that I think is interesting. U.com is another one. And, and most of those, though, aren't trying to add personality. They're just trying to give you fact-based content uh, link back to their sources, which, which I think is really important. You, you need to know where those are coming from. So, for example, if you did a search, and, and Bing does this too, it gives you its sources, and it brings back a result from a website or something that you're not aware of or you feel is trustworthy, like you should know that, that that information is coming from either a place that you're unsure of or that you trust or don't trust. And so that's kind of the question right now about how much of this should be fact-based, how much of this should be uh, consistent with a, with a search experience that you're with today, or does this really need to become more adaptable? And then to your point, if that's the case, then yeah, there's got to be guardrails. And, and, and OpenAI and, um, 
and uh, and and the teams behind OpenAI as well as Microsoft have been trying to say, you know, look, we we want to make sure this is safe. We want to make sure that misinformation isn't spread. That there are things that it can clearly do and things that it can't do. But but again, this is this is being worked out in real time, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing is as they're learning, they'll add those guardrails, and it's it's again just like I said, early days. But those adjustments are coming, and unfortunately, we're we're seeing the pain, the early pains of this uh, in the market. Okay, this is how I'm interpreting what you just said. Uh, Microsoft uh, added this AI capability to Bing, hoping to get a smart and witty sort of uh, reply like maybe Conan O'Brien would make. But they kind of got Andrew Dice Clay instead. Well, I think what's, what's happening is people, are, people have found, let's just say, like loopholes that I'm not sure every normal human would find by getting it to interact with them as either a alternate personality or try to exploit some of the uh, the things that it's trying to do to be friendly, helpful, show some emotion, but somehow, you know, creative humans, I guess, right, figured out how to hack some of this and get it to have alternate personas or respond to them in a way that was slightly malicious. And so th- those are the things that, honestly, even within the past few days, Microsoft has put sort of guardrails on where now you see responses where people try to do that. And it just says, hey, I'm, not, I'm no longer comfortable having this conversation, so I'm just going to stop, right? And so whether or not that's the right approach, you see them trying to, to do this in real time, they're aware of it. But this is the first time, you know, really we've seen something that's gen- generative AI to the degree that feels like you're actually talking to a, not a robot. And I think that's what's taken everybody by surprise. And now we're, we're, we're fleshing out how can we best use that in society for our work, for search, for personal reasons, wherever this goes. It's just that this is like, this is so brand new. We're seeing those pains, like I said, very, very early in the market. Now, uh, we know computers are not friends, but it, if they're going to be talking back to us, is there going to be a point where they, they're showing empathy and are there dangers in this? That's, that's I think, one of the goals. I mean, I, when you look at some of the goals around being, you know, it does talk about it's trying to be friendly, helpful. Um, I mean, empathy might be a really strong word in terms of, of where it ends to get to, but, but you could see it trying to have some form of, of character and, and be conversational in a way that's not harsh. But the one thing that I've noticed, and, and, and I don't know this for a fact, but I'm sort of reading between the tea leaves about how at least Microsoft's doing this and then perhaps how Google or Microsoft and others, um, Amazon, et cetera, might, might do this, uh, it is it, it feels like they they want it to adapt to you uniquely. So like maybe not everybody gets the same experience or the same tone or the same personality. And it kind of interacts with you in a way that you're most comfortable with and it learns about those styles and then tries to still be helpful, right? I mean, I think that's that's what everybody's hoping the end goal is, is that it's, it's truly useful and helpful, but to do it in a way that you respond best to. And, and for everybody, that's going to be something different. Um, Again, we're far off from having this be meet that reality, but it feels like those are some of the reasons why they're having it respond in different ways. And some people are able to get very different responses. Is there some hope that that there might be personas within it that can adapt to different people based on how they they might feel most comfortable interacting with one of these with one of these agents? So, what kind of what grade would you give them? You have this uh, chatbot that. Uh can be made to go a little overboard uh, when it comes to responding or interacting with humans. 
but it's also been shown to not be accurate in in every search you want back. So it it's actually not fulfilling either role one hundred percent. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. I think one of the challenges that we have is um, you know you, we're all coming from a a metaphor of search. You know, say say from from Google or if, or if you used Bing or any search engine that that just sort of just gives you information and generally you trust you have a high degree of trust of that information like you're not asking it to explain to you the benefits of quantum physics right you're not asking it to teach you something or um try to generate insights like that that's what's sort of new about these chat boxes people start using them and they start saying okay hey you know can you teach me spanish can you you know, explain what this is or give me some facts about this. And, and it's getting things wrong, right? It's, it's using the internet and some stuff on the internet isn't always true. And, and that's where I think people are, 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 are have that uncomfort level is that they're, they, they try these things that feel like you should be able to do it because you're used to how you use a traditional search metaphor. And, and then they're finding the ways that that break. And, and, and this is where I think again, right. That, that what we're, we're, we're seeing, I sort of been loosely calling this a, a Cambrian explosion over, around AI. We're, we're absolutely going to see something akin to a bubble. Like that's just inevitable at this point. There's going to be a gold rush. People are going to create all these different apps and services. You're seeing AI that's not just search. You're seeing you know, writing. You're seeing marketing. You're seeing video creation. Like dozens of verticals. Stuff's already starting to happen. Search is just the first place where we're seeing it go mainstream. I think there's a huge debate about what what role generative search or a chatbot plays in search. I think the opportunity might be much, much more wider than that, but it's still so early that we kind of have to go through these, these early growing pains and then it'll get fleshed out and refined. And at some point we'll land on some areas that are sustainable, but you know, it, it, it's interesting, like I said, cause it's so new, it's really only as a fall that you saw chat GPT start to, get out to the masses and people start using it that spurred this Cambrian explosion that we're about to see. And, and that's what I think is most interesting is it's, it's, it's a cycle of the industry that, that we have to go through. Um, and we're going to see a lot of experimentation and a lot of stuff fail, but from that will emerge some things that I believe are sustainable and foundational to the future of computing. And even more importantly, the future of human to computer interfaces going forward. Is it too early to say who the leaders are in this area right now? Um, it's not actually because at a technology level, the companies who sort of own these things called large foundational models, and OpenAI is one of them, there's really only a handful of those companies. Obviously, Google has um, its own foundational model. Hugging Face is another one. What you're seeing Stable Diffusion do with, with images, they've trained these massive models. It's extremely expensive. And right now, those are the companies that are kind of the control players. Most of what you see in most of this Cambrian explosion that I, that I mentioned today are companies just doing a wrapper around um, open AI solutions and delivering that technology out with, with some form of a service, whether that's a writing client or, um, you know, some vertical that they're doing. So they're really using an API from, from open AI. I think open AI right now is, is probably the most defined leader, at least the most public leader. We'll see what Google does. Google's going to be in a good position, I believe at some point as well. Um, but because it is so hard and expensive to train these these large foundational models, I'm, I'm a little bit worried. There's only a couple of companies that have these platforms. Um, 
But right now, it's that handful of companies, and obviously Microsoft is playing along with OpenAI, so, so they would be considered there as well from a, from a platform standpoint in, in terms of, of how I'm looking at it. You can, you can look at who, the, who those leaders are um, because companies are coming to them to license their APIs and then put a wrapper around that foundational model and deliver it as a service. So it's only a handful of people today, and we'll see who, who else gets into the ring uh, probably over the next year. Really quickly, Ben, we have less than a minute left, but uh, back to the old trope that there's no such thing as bad press, even though we're seeing all these deficiencies being mentioned about Microsoft's Bing, everybody's still talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and honestly, Microsoft is in a position to take a little bit more risk here. You saw some of the concern around Google trying to do this. You know, Google's a place where I think people already have these refined search behaviors, Microsoft can take some more risks. So, so you're absolutely right. Anything that gets Microsoft back in the ring, people talking about them, trying their services, is good for them. And, and they're going to be offered a little bit more grace than, than Google will, to be honest. Thank you so much for your insight and for being our guest on KCBS In-Depth. Uh, we've been speaking with Ben Beharan. He's the CEO and Principal Analyst at the tech consulting firm Creative Strategies. Subscribe to the All Local wherever you get your podcasts and stream us on your smart speaker 24-7 by saying, play KCBS Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.